Oh, he's changing lives. He's changing lives. I talked about it last week. Anyway, the, the, the thought is, because I was talking about this a little bit last week, but the question I've been asking myself personally and also probably for the country of Australia, um, why is it that sometimes as believers or followers, our passion levels for the cause of Christ sometimes get low? How does that happen? How come sometimes we're, we're passionate about following Jesus and other times our passion gets a little bit low. Why is it that sometimes, you know, serving the creator of the universe who sacrificed his story for your story, you know, he didn't have to come down to earth. I mean, if you're in heaven, it's not a good, it's not a holiday destination. Believe me, you don't go to the travel center in heaven and they're like, where's a great destination to go on my honeymoon? And they said, Jesus, I've got an idea, earth. That's not happening. All right? It was not a good option for him, but he gave up his story so he could reach into your story. And he could touch your life. And this is a creator of this universe. And he keeps trying to get our attention. As we sung in that song, he keeps leaving the 99 to go and find the one. Walls and shadows and lies that, that we follow. We all do it. And sometimes, so we know that. And you know, we know that Jesus loves us. We know that Jesus cares for us. We know that Jesus wants our story to be better than the story we've even created for ourselves. And yet sometimes getting on that journey can seem like a chore. Or is it just me? You know, um, sometimes we, we're given an opportunity. We've, we've talked about the fact that, you know, in the, I talked about it last week, but I talk about it regularly, that, the, that when Jesus said, hey, go and make all disciples, and, and when he gave the, the disciples the prayer to pray, as, to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what he asked disciples to pray. So we get asked to bring heaven to earth. We forget that. We don't realize that. In fact, I only got a revelation of exactly what that means probably last year, that our role is to bring heaven to earth. And sometimes that can, we can be in a not feel like it. Ever had a not feel like it? Oh, this opportunity to bring heaven to, like even, even the opportunity to get along to something like this Shane Willard event where we will get empowered to do exactly that. Oh, you know, I had a big day at work. Yeah, is that you or am I speaking the truth or not? And this question has consumed me recently. In fact, I finished off last week's message asking this question, how is it that once we get an understanding of who Jesus is, and that takes a while sometimes, sometimes it takes a bit for us to get, you know, we can read the Word of God and whatever, and we can treat it like a book, but it's actually the power of Jesus says the Word became flesh. Sometimes it takes a while to meet Jesus, but once we've met Jesus, once we understand what's going on, how does it happen that living for Jesus isn't the most important thing in our world? Like, how does that happen? How do any of us ever get there? You know, Jesus gives everything, absolutely everything that he had for us, for humankind, for mankind, for you, for me. Jesus did that. And sometimes, oh, 9.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning is a bit too much of a hassle. Like, how, does, how do we get there? Better question. How do we get back? That's what I want to be talking about this morning. We've been talking about the, we're talking about the series, Phrases of Life Church. That's the series we've got another phrase for you this morning. This isn't it, but the title of this morning's message is Followers in Front. Followers in Front. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity that we've already had uh, to just spend time in your presence. We've, there was a, there's an opportunity already in this service for soul health that we could have engaged in, where you could bring healing restoration, empowerment into our hearts. Already, That's already happened and been and gone. And I thank you for that, Lord God. I thank you that we still get in this country that opportunity to do that. And now as we unpack the word, Lord, I pray for everybody in the everybody, 
from the youngest to the oldest, Lord God, that somewhere, somewhere in the next 20-odd minutes, you'll speak truth, revelation to our hearts in Jesus' name. You know, a good friend of mine, a good friend of mine, uh, some of you may have heard this story before, but uh, when I was at uni, I had this good friend. He told me this story about when he was younger. Now, he, in his late teens, now this guy's a rodeo guy. Ever met a rodeo guy? They walk like this, a bit like that one. They spend too much time, this guy on horses and whatever. He had, he had all these big belt buckles. Anyway, he was telling me, so he's a rodeo, bareback, bronc riding cowboy. All right? This is this guy, he's a good friend of mine. And anyway, so he was telling me about earlier in his career, and he was in Australia, he's Australian, Aussie from Kingaroy, actually. And he was in Australia, and, um, but he just couldn't seem to break through. He's like in his, his late teens, and, you know, he'd ride in these rodeos, and he always, always seemed to be second best, you know, always seemed to be, seemed to be or, or, or a tier below. He just couldn't quite take his, his, his riding to the next level. And he had this opportunity, I think it was 1982, it was the World Rodeo Championships in Melbourne. They'd never done it before, and all these guys come off across from the state. So he's like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to make sure I'm in Melbourne for the World Championship thing, whatever it was. Um, and he gets down there. And so he had an opportunity to talk to, and this doesn't happen often in life, but he had an opportunity to talk to a lot of his heroes. He's a saddle bronc rider. And so he got an opportunity to talk to the best saddle bronc riders in the world. And he said, how do I take my riding to the next level? How do I get to the next level? Um, with what I do, and what this, he wanted to make this his career, and and the guy, and the, and, and the first question that they asked him was really left field. He didn't expect this one. He expected, you know, something about balance or how he holds his arm or something. They said the first question they said to him, "Who are you riding with? Who are you riding with?" And he told them, and they just said to him, "Well, there's your problem, mate. There's your problem." You see, by the time he was 19, after hearing that, by the time he was 19, he changed some things some people that he was running with, by the time he was 19, he was at Calgary in the United States, under 19, world champion saddle bronc rider of the world. Just had to change. You see, it wasn't his skill set, it was his mindset. See, the guys he was traveling with, the people he was hanging around, they were happy with mediocre. They were happy just to be there. They were happy just to turn up. They were happy to complain about the results they were getting. You know, it was the judge's fault. It was bad luck. Things just didn't go their way every week. (laughs) Patton. These were the people he was with. If you're hanging with people who just keep making excuses for things all the time, well, that's where you end up. You never end up where you're going. You see, what the champion riders understood, and I'm going to read this so you get it, what the champion riders understood that my mate Tim didn't understand at that point in his life. Catch this. The, experience, the experiences we have and the people around us, and read this again, shape who we become. The experiences we have, and you know this intuitively, the experiences we have and the people around us shape who we become. Therefore, your life is a product of the experiences you have had and who you have had them with. Now, if that's true, think about this. I find a lot of people leave the shaping of who they become to chance. I don't know if that could be described as a great strategy, by the way. There's this book in the Bible called Proverbs. Some of you may have heard of it. And I thought, I was thinking about this book of Proverbs. I love the book of Proverbs. I thought if it was printed today, like if someone today wrote it, and they sort of printed it, put it in print, and ended up in a bookstore, it might have a title a bit like this. Throw up the the first slide for me, boys, today. I only got two slides Throw up my slide, if you can. Yeah. Thinking smart for dummies. 
All right? If Proverbs was written today, that would what it be called. Thinking smart for dummies. All right? It's awesome, this book, the book of Proverbs. It covers a whole heap of topics. Maybe you've never had the, no one's ever mentioned Proverbs here. Here's some things that it covers in there. Staying out of trouble in the bedroom. That could be worth reading. How about this one? Before you start a home reno, it's in there. All right, now you've got kids. Could be another title of another spot. All right, now you've got kids. Here's some stuff you need to know. All right, in the last chapter, this is gold. I can't believe more people don't talk about this book. In the last chapter, at the, at the end of the last chapter of the book, um, there, there's, there's what to look for in a wife. All you young fellas, make sure you read it. An alternative title of that could be called this, of that whole section could be called A Template to Become Mother Teresa. So if you use that as a template, don't get too disappointed. But check it out. It's a good read. Also, just before that in this book, so in the end, at the end of this book, last chapter, just before that section, so that section I just mentioned, you know, how to become Tre- Mother Teresa gets talked about a lot. But the section just before it, I believe, and um, I would entitle that section, How to Ensure Your Life Doesn't Become a Joke. And uh, written primarily to young males, so don't miss that. All right, the author, widely regarded as the wisest man to ever live, wrote this book, Proverbs, or as I've liked to call it, uh, Thinking Smart for Dummies. It's absolutely criminal it isn't taught in schools, but um, to be honest, most people who have a copy of it on their phone uh, don't read it anyway and don't realise um, how much their life would be different if they just read maybe one sentence a day. Uh, anyway, there's a few themes in it. I want to highlight one for you this morning. So this book's got a few different themes in it. I want to highlight one for you. See if you catch it. I don't have this on the screen. I just want to do it quickly. So I'm going to just read some sentences from the book and see if you can pick up on what the theme is. You'll have to pay a lot of attention. So just get your thinking caps on. Uh, Proverbs 15.11 says this, Plans fail for lack of counsel. Proverbs 11.14 says this, People fall for lack of counsel. Proverbs 20.18 says this, Every purpose is established by counsel. Proverbs 24.6, In the middle of counsellors there is safety. Proverbs 13.20 says, He that walks with wise men shall be wise. Proverbs 13.18 says this, Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuse instruction. Now look, to be honest, you don't have to be the sharpest spoon in the room to have picked up on that thing, all right? An Australian way of, of, of saying that is you'll never fly with the eagles if you run with turkeys, all right? I don't know who wrote that, but it was probably pretty close. Look, let's be honest. So where I'm going this morning, think about this wisdom. Think about this wisdom. Those who get places in life invite counsel. They invite other people to speak into their world. That's what that's saying. Now, this is the wisest guy. That ever lived. If anybody in the world, in history, didn't need other people in his world to give him counsel, it would have been this guy. But what this guy said is so many times, you need good voices in your world. And here's, here's a thought. If we're honest, and this has been an honesty morning, like I've always said, if you want to be honest, the best place, or place to start could be church. If we're honest, it's only pride that stops us wanting to journey with others. Look, let's be honest. It's a, I've, there might be a hundred excuses why you wouldn't, and I've heard most of them, but there's only one reason, and it's pride. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 55. They're going to throw it on the screen. I'm actually going to read it with you from the screen. But I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. He ransoms me and keeps me safe. Catch this, from the battle waged against me, though many still oppose me, God who has ruled forever will hear me and humble them. 
For my enemies refuse to change their ways. They do not fear God. Now, just the start of that psalm, I'll call upon the Lord. This year we've been talking about getting to the rescue. We heard um, Deb with the word that the Lord gave her about getting involved, leaving the 99, finding the one. That's what we're about. And we talked about the phrase, that I may know him. That's key to that. Here, here the, the psalmist, David, this guy who wrote this, that's, that's his story. It's like, hey, we need to get this done. But you know what? First thing I'm going to do is seek God. But I really want to touch. So that's, we've been talking about that all year. But I want to touch on the back end of that. Another, another version says this, because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. And I'd like to ask myself this question this morning. Why am I in the same ruts? Why do I keep falling into the same ruts? Why don't I seek Jesus? Why don't I change? The reason I don't change is because I think I have the answers. That's why I don't change. Any area of my life when there's not something, you know, I'm not positively chasing a different thing. I'm not pursuing Jesus on. It's pride, people. Because I think I know better. I think I have the answers. Hear the word fear. You know, they do not fear God. Do you know what that actually means? If you, if you go and, um, you know, Shane Willard's coming, so I thought I'd better do a bit of Hebrew for you. Um, so the Hebrew of that word is Yahweh. Do you know what it means? Revere, honour. Hold in esteem, awe, respect. Because we don't hold the Lord in esteem, we do not change. That's interesting, isn't it? Let's look, about, let's look, let's look at another Psalm of David, in Psalm 51, just while they're throwing it up. What does that mean not to fear God, not to awe God, not to reverence God? Well, it looks like this. You turn up to church on Sunday and you go, wow, that was a great message. And you go home and don't apply any of it. Those who do not fear God do not change. Psalm 51 is up there. You do not desire. This is, so this is the same guy talking to, to God. He says to God, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. Sometimes we think God wants a sacrifice. He really doesn't. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Felt rejected by God? Try a broken and repentant heart. See what happens then. A broken heart and spirit. What does that mean? Because often sometimes Christians uh, wrongly interpret that. Yeah, yeah, broken and contrite. That's me. I'm broken and contrite. They wander around with their head down and you're like, what are you doing, mate? Oh, just being humble. You know, just being humble. Now, here's a thought. Some of you know who David is, the guy who wrote that. This guy was a self-obsessed adrenaline junkie, the guy that wrote that. Literally, now catch this. Some of you don't know David's story. He literally fought giants for fun. This is not Mr. Over in the Corner, dude. This is when there was a battle on front page. And believe me, no, I'm serious, fought giants. And this was, this was 2000 BC. So he's not fighting giants on Xbox. There's no respawn 4,000 years ago. It's for keeps. We're playing for keeps. Broken. Contrite. Now, I'm no horse whisperer, as some of you might know. I'm not, I'm not, that's not me. But I do, I'm guessing this, and correct me later if I'm wrong. I'm fairly confident that a broken horse is one that is teachable, not one that's kneecapped. 
A broken horse submits. A broken heart and a contrite spirit is one that is useful. It's one that's in training. It's one that's being developed. It's one that's growing in strength and stature, not one that's sidelined. So when you read this scripture, don't misunderstand it. Don't feel this is a scripture about stepping back. This is actually a scripture about stepping forward in somebody else's strength. This is what the scripture is saying. And I, I don't think we as Christians can afford to keep letting the shaping of who we are to become happen by chance. The experiences, the people. If you're serious about changing the world, the guy who wrote this was, and he did. His, his nation was under complete oppression. And all the smart people in his world, they were backing back from the fight. He was stepping into it because he knew his God. The phrase that I want to highlight, remember this is the series is the phrases of Life Church. And the phrase that I want to highlight to you this morning, which is a core value of this church. In fact, I would say, other than the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, which is amazing. If you ever stepped into that, you'd know what I'm talking about. And other than the transformation power of the Holy Spirit, which is part of that grace Jesus offers, the grace to, to be things and do things that, that we can't do without God. Other than those two things, other than those two, what are we about to talk about today, I believe, is the next most critical ingredient that has enabled this church to grow in Roma when many others haven't. In fact, in the last probably 12 months when most other churches across the nation haven't. Throw the phrase up for me. Everyone is following someone and everyone is taking someone with them. Now, that's been our mantra for a long time. Some of you have probably heard me say that for the 200, 300,000th time. Because the core key value of our church, you know, it's been our mantra for so long. In fact, almost everything we've touched has grown. Not necessarily successful, not necessarily did what we wanted it to, but I'll tell you what it's grown. If you think of our downpour youth camp, Colin Jess in the front row, yeah. Started up, it takes more people to run that camp now than what turned up the first year. It's grown dramatically. Our muster, the trouble with our, our, men's, our men's event now is that... Um, it's too big for us now. We don't know what to do with it. It's grown, you know. Um, the show, our, our impact at the show. Most people who don't know me from church world or don't know me from when I was involved in the school know me from the show. When we visit the show, it's grown. Our small groups have just grown. Our ladies' dinner has grown. We now sponsor through this church 50 compassion children overseas. It's grown. Why has all this stuff grown? Now, things have, we've, things have gone through dry seasons. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. We've had our ups and downs. But generally speaking, everything's grown. Why has it grown? Because everybody's following somebody and everybody's taking someone with them. Imagine a workplace that you work at. Imagine if that was what people's attitude was. Hey, I've already reached this stage. I'm going to make sure you know everything I know. But not only that, I'm not content to show you. I need to glean from someone else. I need to grow myself. Imagine if you went to that workplace. I know most of you don't. There's been here a commitment from the senior pastor right down to our different team members for a long time. Everyone is following someone. Everyone is taking someone with them. That's kingdom thinking. That's what Jesus meant when he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not often you attend a church, to be honest, with roughly 100 people in weekly attendance. My guess is it's just slightly under that here this morning. That has 10 small group leaders, but we've got another probably two or three that could run small groups or more. 
When was the last time you attended that church? It's our small group process. We call it discipleship groups. It's been the front line of our church's growth for almost a decade. It's our number one mechanism for seeing the Jesus life move from an intellectual thing or an intellectual thing where we know stuff about God to a life-changing, living the abundant life. Not, not saying that things don't go wrong, but, but moving from intellectual knowledge so that in our world, when we go through a storm, Jesus is in the boat. To be honest, once you start this process, you end up hitting a lot less storms. There's less storms that you cause yourself because the truth is most of the storms in your life you started. Not all of them. Plenty in my life that I started, plenty I didn't. But I tell you what, what if we could take out all the storms we started? Wouldn't that be good? That'd be a great start. It's not just small groups, so every team and every team member is given the opportunity. This is the, the power of this, which I probably haven't um, unpacked for you guys before. The power is, so every team member and every team is given the opportunity to grow themselves. So by sowing in what they've been invested in them, sowing that into someone else, right? This is how we roll here. So what the, how we roll here is, if I'm being given something, I find someone to invest that in. But for me to continue to invest, I need to continually be gleaning over here. You get that principle? It's not really that difficult. All right, so that's everyone's following someone. Everyone is taking someone with them. So that's, everyone's on the same page. Here's the life hack. Pay attention, write notes. The people experiencing most growth as individuals, catch this, are people who have purposefully allowed somebody to sow into their world and then beyond that, people to speak into their life, all right? So people sowing in. Now, this is called a broken and contrite spirit. Read about it before. See, if you don't have that, pride's your problem. In fact, I've got a good friend who, um, who now lives in Tasmania and we used to catch up and we used to talk and pray a lot. And if he was here today, he would say pretty much every, in fact, you can go back to Genesis chapter 1 if you want, but pretty much every problem we have in the world today is pride-based. And I, I don't know if I disagree with him. Um, so so, so you've you got, you got to have a contrite heart and a broken spirit and you've got to be able to go, you know what, you can, you can teach me something. You can teach me something. You can show me something. You can invest that in me. If you do that, then you've got something. So that's the first step. And here's the life hack for it. That's called a, a, and here's the sermon title for this morning. I'm going to have to be touching on this a little bit. But pride aside, we just talked about pride aside, right? Everyone say that with me. Pride aside. Just one more time because I couldn't hear. Pride aside. That's better. Now catch this part. Followers in front. <laughs> we're going we're to put them together now in four words, all, five words, all at the same time. I'm going to say that in one, two, three. Pride aside, followers in front. Two, three. Brilliant, brilliant. So catch this. This is the key. So this is still a mystery to most people, but here's, here's, I'm just going to read it so you get it. What happens when we put our pride aside and allow others to speak into our life? This is what happens. We get an overwhelming feeling of gratitude. This is generally manifested in the attitude of where can I unsow this? So when we put our pride aside, we go, oh, wow, I have all this stuff, and we're gra- we, we've got gratitude now. I'm thankful. Gratitude is the biggest win you can get in this world because I'm grateful that Jesus did what he did for me. That's a game changer for most of us, just that right there. But, the, but now gratitude, see, this is what, gra- and then what gratitude does is it says, where can I unsow this? Because I'm so thankful. I want to unsow now. See, you're following me? But here's the good part. So when you do that, so I'm thankful. So others have invested in me because of what I'm purposefully investing in others now. And this is what happens. People see that. And they give you more opportunities. What does that look like? That looks like followers in front. Ever wondered? This is how, this is how, 
the last become first and the first become last. Actually, that sounds like something Jesus would say. That's because he said it first. Do you see how this works? So I put my pride aside. I say, hey, show me what you, show me what you just did there. And then I go, wow, that's amazing. And then I go, hey, I'm going to show this guy over here. This is, everyone's following someone. Everyone's taking someone with them. And he's like, hey, man, check this out. And this is awesome. And then somebody sees that. And, they go, and look, I'm, not, this is, I'm talking church world, but he, he, what about your workplace? No matter what, I don't care where you work. You're, if you've got a boss who's got more than four brain cells, he'll go, wow, did you see that? Somebody just got trained. My organization is now bigger, and I didn't do anything. That was free. You see where this goes? And then all of a sudden, we're looking for somebody to step up. Well, guess who that is? Pride aside, followers in front. The first become last. Following. This is counterintuitive, but if you follow that, that's a life hack for you. That will help you no matter where you go in life. I don't care where you go when you walk out of this room. That will help you. What I just showed you. It's a game changer. Because following has always been the greatest prerequisite of leading and longevity. So in answer to the question that we asked right at the very start, why is it that I lose the passion at times? Well, the answer is, at some point, I stop following. I stop putting pride aside. You know, I know I should want to go into all the world and make disciples, and I know that's the main thing, and I know we need to get to the rescue, and I need, know we need to empower the mission of the local church because that's what Jesus said, but it's, it's difficult. But you can't disciple someone if you're not being discipled. It's so simple. Pride aside. Followers in front. Will you stand with me this morning? Everyone following someone. Everyone taking someone with them. Jesus said, you might be thinking, what about Jesus? You know what Jesus said? Man, I'm just imitating the Father. I'm just doing what the Father told me to do. That's, that's God. That's what God said. Probably the greatest human being to ever live. Paul the Apostle said this. He says, imitate me as I what? Imitate Christ. So I'm not making this up. I'm just following Jesus. You follow me because I'm following Jesus. And your pastor Shane says, hey, I look to leaders like, like Pastor Lee, Pastor Chris, Pastor John. I'm gleaning everything I can. And if I can't get them in my room, I'll, I'll read. How do we do this thing better? What can, I invest, what can I invest in me that I can invest in someone else? If you want to be a bigger person, you've got to learn from bigger people. It's not rocket science. But my faith needs a boost. I get around people with faith. When I have finance decisions to make, I talk to people I know who've got, who are getting that right. If I have a big decision, big life decision, who am I bouncing that off? It will guarantee you to be somebody who's following somebody who's following somebody who's following somebody because they're a big thinker. And they're the people I'll bounce it off. You see, I know the moment I stop following, I disqualify myself from leading in the Jesus team. So clear. It's always been really clear. Everyone is following someone. Everyone is taking someone with them. If you think about your workplace, I think about this church, I think about my life, I think about my kids. And I think when we grasp that truth, people don't get added to the kingdom of God. They get multiplied. Would you pray with me this morning?